Praise God. We were invited some time ago to come to Washington, and I decided I wouldn't go because we have to go at our own expense, and it's expensive to go out east. My brother Crowder is from Glen Burnie, Maryland. I don't know if that's an expensive place or not. Now, that sounds like a ritzy place to me. Is it to you? You know, he comes around here and talks about fat back and all that. He didn't even know about all that stuff until he heard it on a record one day. <laughs> now, Sister Crowder's from South Carolina, and they make it greasy down there. So she knew all about that. I remember when Pearlie Phillips was here. You, how many of you remember Pearlie? All right. Pearlie brought some chitlins in for me to eat. Well, the truth of the matter is I became acquainted with a chitlin when I was about six years old. And, and we parted, and I haven't seen him since. And, <laughs> and she brought him back in there. You, she told me this. She said, Brother Grant, you'll have to eat it while it's hot because if you eat it when it's cold, it tastes funny. <laughs> Mine must have been cold. <laughs> Brother Crowder called me all the way from out east when he was visiting with his folks. And I think it was, was it New Year's? New Year's, I think it was. And he said, guess what I'm doing right now? And I said, eating chitlins. And he died laughing because that's what he was doing. <laughs> something. So he does know about chitlins. No doubt about that. But this seems to be part of the heritage of the black folk. They like chitlins. I don't know, James, do you? Down in, you came from Atlanta. Okay. See, my grandfather, my grandfather used to, do all of you know what a chitlin is? It's a top secret. We'll tell you after service, okay? <laughs> My grandfather used to eat chitlins. And, of course, uh, the truth of the matter is I have eaten them many times. But it's not my favorite food. Like I said this morning, I can eat almost anything that's edible. Now, some things are not meant to be ate. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> We'll tell you after service, okay? John Commander doesn't know, so. <clears throat> we'll tell you after service, okay? Takes too much time during the service. <clears throat> no, I got invited to Washington, but I, I, I just felt I couldn't go on my own expense, and it's real close to conference time, so I decided not to go. And what, what had happened was, several months ago, Brother Urshan, along with... Other religious leaders in America were invited to the White House for a briefing. Now, out of that briefing, and we're not really for sure why, came an invite to United Pentecostal Church ministers. Now, the truth of the matter is, there never has been a denomination 
that's been invited to the White House. Never. That just simply means that they've never asked, like the uh, Wisconsin Senate of the Lutheran Church, they've never asked Southern Baptists. They've, it's always been a, a, a mixed group. But for some reason, they invited us, and we're not really for sure why. So Brother Urshan uh, called on several ministers to go make the trip with him. And what he was doing, he, was, he started with the, the superintendents from various areas. You know, he wanted some in the, the north, some in the south, some in the east, some in the west. And, of course, Brother Cisco was invited because Brother Cisco is a regional director of the uh, home missions department. He is the regional director of the North Central Region of the United Pentecostal Church. So he was invited to go. Now, evidently there was a pretty poor response. And if you're invited to the White House for a briefing and nobody shows up, that's embarrassing to the White House, and you can understand why. Well, I decided I just I didn't give much thought to it. I just thought, well, I can't go. It's close to conference time. It costs a lot of money. And then I got a call from, from headquarters asking if I would reconsider. Well, I gave them all the information that they needed because you have to clear security before they they before you can can go. So they called me back and told me I was cleared to go and if I would let them know within twenty four hours. Well, what happened was there were just so many people that didn't respond because it's going it's real close to conference time. So a lot of people didn't respond, and then all of a sudden, they sent out word to ministers throughout the fellowship to find out how many people would like to go. And so a lot of ministers decided that they would take the trip. At the same time, just as I changed my mind, a lot of superintendents and a lot of other people changed their mind. So we had over 300 ministers in Washington. And, and, and they told us we have never seen this type of enthusiasm in, a, <clears throat> in, the, in the briefing room. Well, this is the, the briefing room at the White House holds 252 people, and we filled it up. They went to get permission from the fire chief to put additional people in there. He sent word back and said no. So that means some of them are not going to get go into the briefing. And for some reason, he just walked down the hall and said, I've changed my mind. Just tell me and I'll go in. So we had ministers sitting on the platform and all around. It was really great. I left here on Monday evening. Sister Grant and I traveled to Kenosha and spent the, spent the night there because our plane left out of Chicago at 7 the next morning. Brother Cisco and I flew together. But Cisco picked uh, me up at the Budgetel in in Kenosha at 5:20 in the morning, and we drove down, and then we took Piedmont Airlines to Charlotte, North Carolina, and from there we went into. Actually, we didn't go to Washington D.C. We went into Baltimore. I guess that's called Baltimore Washington International Airport, or something like that. So that's where we went. That's where I saw the sign, Glen Burnie. I really wanted to call Brother Crowder's mom and dad, but I was just really busy. And then I left out sooner than what I had planned on leaving. See, the schedule went like this. On Wednesday morning, we were to have the White House briefing. 
Thursday morning, the trip to the Capitol, and then the congressional briefing. And then Friday, I was to go to the Israeli embassy. But then something happened out in the sea that you heard about, and that was a hurricane. It was coming in. And then, of course, uh, Brother Cisco was not invited to the embassy, so he didn't have clearance for that. And Brother Cisco had my ticket made up for me. I picked it up in Racine, and I would have had to change my ticket from Baltimore into D.C., and uh, it was going to cost me over $100 extra to do that. So I decided, well, because of the hurricane and such, I would just head back home. But I did want to go to the Israeli embassy. But uh, they did tell us that security was extremely tight there, and you need an ID with with your uh, picture on it. And I don't have an ID with my picture on it. Now, I have current driver's license. Okay? Brother Martin, remember that, okay? <laughs> I've got current driver's license. And I have a feeling, because I have to take the visual test in November, that I'll probably get my a mug shot. So <clears throat> I came back home early, and I was disappointed. From Wisconsin, we had Brother Trapani, Brother Dugas, Brother Snow, Brother Cisco, and myself. I saw Brother Blackshear there, and he sends his greetings to you. Brother Blackshear was there. We did have a good number of, of, of ministers there. And Sister Tenney was there. Sister Tenney was the only lady chosen, and and uh, they explained to us the reason why. They said, because Sister Tenney has more political clout in the southeast than any lady outside of the ranks of politics that we know of. Can you believe that? Isn't that something? So she was invited. Well, we, we really had a great time. Now, when we got to, to Baltimore, Brother Chester Wright picked us up, and he is a pastor in... Annapolis, Maryland. We went there and looked at his church, and he just built a, a new church. How old is that church? Two years old, something like that. It's really a nice church. Uh, he has a school there. He's been there 15 years. They run five to 700 in that area. It's got a big operation. I was really impressed. They have the cell ministry. In fact, Brother Cisco. And Brother Wright just went to Seoul, Korea, to the dedication of Dr. Cho's new building over there. I don't know if you heard much about Dr. Cho, but Dr. Cho has a cell ministry there. Dr. Cho, on any given Sunday, has over 500,000 people in church. It is the largest church in the world. It is Pentecostal, but it is not oneness Pentecostal. But well, we found out when we were over there that one oneness preacher has been over there and preached for Dr. Cho several times, and we got the unofficial report that he has started baptizing people in Jesus' name. Isn't that something? Brother Cisco said the service that we were in, it's like a coliseum, had 22,500 people in it, and they had five services lined up for that day. What they do, they just have service all day long. And, of course, they have to limit how long the services are because they ministered over 500,000. Now, you're talking about half a million people. You know, that's a lot of people. I mean, that is a lot of people. There's just no doubt about it. 
So Brother Brother Cisco and Brother Wright, when they came back, they were just, wow. And while I was out there, I really was ministered to by just a good number of people. Brother Wright uh, in particular, and, and of course Brother Cisco. It just, it just meant a lot for me to, to go. I feel much richer after making the trip. Just much richer. I just feel that, that God has, has allowed me to go. I saw Brother Wright's Christian school. Brother Wright has a large Christian school. I think 167 students, he said. Now, that's pretty large for a Christian school. But he does take more outsiders than he has of his own people. And his young people have won many of the outsiders and their parents to the Lord. Uh, he, he just uh, he just has a good operation. There's no doubt about it. We all I went and visited Annapolis. Some of the highlights of the city. It's a very historical type city. Of course, all the East is just rich in history. You know, it's like Texas. You know, I mean, you know, if you if you go there, you know, you just don't. You know, it's <clears throat> it's next to heaven almost. You know. I say once a Texan, always a Texan. Some Texans believe that when they die, they go by Texas before they get to heaven. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not, I just thought I'd tell you. I don't feel that way. I really don't. But uh, the next morning we went to the Naval Academy. Brother Wright is a retired Naval officer. And... Uh, he went by there to the commissary and picked up some film. Now, I will have pictures of all of this. Don't have them tonight, though. He's getting them to develop, and he's sending Brother Cisco a set and me a set. Then we went to Washington. I'd never been to Washington before. I learned several things about the city, and this may be encouraging to some of you. There are over 40,000 oneness people in Washington, D.C. Uh... About 99% of them are black people who are members of various black oneness organizations. The congressional hearing was held in the Way of the Cross Church, uh, which surprised me. We didn't know that. And they run over a 1,000 strong every Sunday. And we found out there are over 40,000 oneness people in Washington. Isn't that great? I think that is fantastic. I, in fact, I don't know of any city, any place in the states that has that many oneness people. I just, I, I thought it was just fantastic. It was just a great report. The first thing we did, though, we went to the, to the White House and we toured the White House. Now, the, the, the White House briefing was not held in the White House like I thought because they refer to the White House. What it is, it's in the administrative office. They said, we don't have any briefings in the White House. You see the, the president in the Oval Office sometimes, but uh, all of the briefings are held in the White House briefing room, they call it, but it's an administrative building next to the, the White House. Now, to get in there, you have to have your name registered. Now, in the White House, you can just take a tour of it, and, of course, uh, it is just splendid. How many of you have been to the White House? Several of you have been. You know, it's, it's, it's a nice place. There's no doubt about it. But we took a tour through there, and then we went into the, to the uh, administrative office, which connects to the White House. I don't know how it connects there. 
They told us it did. I didn't see any connection, so evidently it must be by underground. But it does connect to the White House. And, of course, most of, well, all the staff is in the White House office or administrative building. Uh, to get into the administrative building, you have to have your name registered, and the security is very, very strict. Just because you're a preacher doesn't mean they won't search you because they search several preachers. Now, I can always go through one of those lines and go through with keys and everything else, and I don't know if I've ever had one of those beepers to go off. But but some people have a lot of iron in their system, I guess, because it just goes off on some people, and then it keeps going off and keeps going off and keeps going off, and, and you can tell them that you have a plate in your head or something like that, but they're going to search you. No, I'm no kidding. And uh, well, we, we went in. Uh, the lady in charge of the White House briefing, her name is Carolyn Sunseth. And, of course, she is the associate director of the Office of Public Liaison. Now, we found out right away. She just walks up and she introduces herself. And she said, well, praise the Lord, all of you brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Praise God. Praise God. She said, the fire marshal just informed us that we can't put anybody else in this building. But I informed him, with this many preachers, we will probably have a lot of fire. <laughs> and she said, hopefully, tongues of fire. Kind of took us all back. You know, here she says this, and you don't know what to expect from She arranges all of the White House briefings, and here we were, we just taken back. And so she, she looked and she said, I really mean that. Don't you speak with tongues? You know? She said, I do. You know? And, you know, just, wow. So, so she starts talking to us. And, and, and from then on, she's just, just like one of us. Just really amazed me. It really did amaze me. She said, now you're going to hear a whole lot from a lot of people here. Now, the, the man who we feel was responsible, who works very close with Carolyn Sunseth and Mr. Raymond Burkhardt, who is the director, no, pardon me, Carl Anderson, who is the, the uh, director of this department. His name is Stan Walkestetter, and we found out that Stan Walkestetter is a member of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is apostolic 100%. So that's, that's probably the way we got uh, to the White House. Because several people knew him, but they didn't know that he was involved the way he is. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. At any rate, the first person that addressed us was Raymond F. Burkhardt, who is the Director of Latin American Affairs, and he is a member of the National Security Council. And he talked to us about communism in Latin America. And, of course, he, he, he addressed us just like the rest of us. Rest, uh, just, I say like the rest of us. He addressed us just like Carolyn did and like the rest of the speakers did. He talked to us about our faith, about speaking with tongues, about the Holy Ghost. And uh, it was very, very interesting. Very interesting. He talked about a missionary work. He referred to the gentleman 
down in Nicaragua that had his ears cut off. You remember that? Did we have anybody at the conference last year in Anaheim that heard this gentleman speak? At any rate, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a, a national preacher there who was advised by the Sandinistians that he should not preach in Jesus' name, all of which he, he would not refute it. They took him out and tied him to a tree, and they, they cut his ears off. And they stuck a bayonet in his neck right here and hit him with the butt of the gun stock right here and knocked a big hole in his cheek. Now, <clears throat> I was someplace, and I don't even recall where I was, and somebody called my attention to it. There was a television on. It was a PTL club or whatever, the 700 club or PTL. No, those are, there's a difference in those, aren't isn't there? I don't know. But anyway, this man was on there talking. So I sat there with them and listened to his testimony. Well, see, when he came out of Nicaragua, we thought that he was a member. We thought that he was a member of the United Pentecostal Church. We found out he was not associated with us. He, didn't, he never heard of us. But I am glad to say this, because they brought him to the States, and the White House was responsible for him coming to the States. They brought him to the States, introduced him to us, and since he's been baptized in Jesus' name. So, you know. Now, this packet that, comes, that was given to us from the White House, this comes from the President. This packet is made up for everybody the same. And would you believe, when I went through this packet and I didn't know it, in here is a testimony of this man who had his ears cut off and everything. His name is uh, uh, Prudencio de Jesus Baltadeno, I think. It's quite a name. But anyway, he was a Pentecostal preacher, it says. And the whole thing. So President Reagan has put this in. His packet. This is a very, very impressive packet. I'd be glad to let any of you look through it if you'd like. Not right now, but after service. But <clears throat> so we were able to ask Mr. Burkhardt some questions. And at the reception that we had, he came in. And, of course, they answered several questions there. The next man to talk to us was Carl Anderson. Now, he is a special assistant to the president in the Office of Public Liaison. And I was really amazed at this man. He's an attorney, a young man. He doesn't look like he's over 25 years old. Now, he could be older than that. But anyway, he's representing the president in tax reform, in abortion, uh, X-rated uh, films being shown in the States, and movie channels on TV, and a lot of things. He also, this man serves as an attorney a special attorney, to the uh, attorney general and to many other cabinet members. So he is a, he's real close to a lot of people who are close to the president. And he talked to us, genuinely talked to us about act, becoming active in, in, in our local areas where we live, it's taking stands, not marching and rioting and such, but riding your congressmen and senators and various ones and talking to them about your personal beliefs. Just tell them how you feel about certain things. 
Tell them how you feel. Uh, he talked to us about uh, cable television and some of the R-rated films that are being shown and such. And uh, he said the president is trying to do everything that he can to get this situation turned around. Because it is sweeping America. Filth is sweeping America. There's no doubt about it. It's sweeping America. And uh, he talked to us also about personal convictions. He said, keep your convictions strong. Keep them high. And let your congressmen and, and uh, your senators know that you have strong convictions. And America was founded upon these, these convictions. And, and uh, he, he told us that you may be persecuted. There, there's no doubt about it. And we had a man from the Department of Education who talked to us also like this. He said, you may be persecuted. No doubt about it. But remember that even if it means being thrown in jail for your own convictions, don't let down. He said, now the White House can't keep you out of jail because of the bureaucracy and such. But I'll tell you one thing we can do. We can pray for you, and if you get thrown in jail, you're going to hear from us. And you know that we're praying for you, and we're going to let every official know all the way down to the local level that the White House is praying for these people whom you have thrown in jail. It's, really, it's just really amazing. Then the next speaker who talked to us was John Linskowski. Now his father escaped the communist regime in Poland several years ago and came here to uh, America. And John Linskowski is the director of European and Soviet Affairs. He's a member of the National Security Council. He's been working with the president on the summit meetings. I was amazed at this man. When he talked to us, I mean, the Spirit of the Lord came down like you would not believe. You know what he did? He took the Bible and compared of freedom in America with the church and the Communist Party with the powers of darkness. And and it it was it was amazing. I was I was just amazed when he talked with us. And he talked about disinformation and deception and such. And and he said now he said this is just the way the devil works in the powers of darkness and communism is a power of darkness. That, that he doesn't like for you to think that things are going to be the way they are. For all of his subjects, he keeps them very carefully covered up as far as information is concerned. He keeps an umbrella over them so that they cannot, because truth that Jesus Christ gave offers freedom. And uh, we believe that that uh, communism is, is designed by the devil to overthrow the, the free world and to hold people in darkness and eventually send them into hell. Now, we believe that. And he said, I share the views of the president. Now, we wish we could have taped this, but you can't take a tape in, player in there, and they do not tape it either. Now, tapes are slipped in every now and then, but you have to lie about it. Naturally, we're going to do that. So you hear a lot of things coming out of the briefings. But he said, 
We, we've called you together because we believe that we are talking to a religious group that fully understands the work of God on the planet earth. And they fully understand the works of iniquity on the planet earth. It was, it was amazing to me. He, he quoted scripture from the Bible, went right into the scriptures and such. And, and you know what? He also talk, talked about the public education system. He is a professor at St. Thomas College in Miami also. He flies down there once or twice a week, and he has a two- or three-hour lecture thing set up there. And he was just, I, he was saying, I, I think what we need to do is we need as much as we can to, to get Christian people to go into teaching in, edu in our educational system, and we need to send them into the public schools and into our colleges teaching the real truth of the Word of God. And we, because if we don't hold back the forces of hell, nobody will. Now remember, now he's the director of foreign affairs in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. He's a member of the National Security Council. And he says, the president believes in the United Pentecostal Church and believes that you have strong convictions. It I was just, I was really amazed. Uh, after he finished talking to us, naturally there was a standing ovation, but he went out. Brother Cisco had, happened to uh, slip out of the, the meeting just momentarily, and the man was still out in the hallway, so Brother Cisco talked with him briefly. He invited him in his office, and he gave to Brother Cisco several uh, lectures and such. Now, I have all of these. I don't think we'd be able to copy all these for, for, for you, but but uh, there are some things in here that you might want to look through. It's, uh, it's, it's really amazing. This This man... Just literally thrilled my heart. Now the next man who spoke was Herbert Ellingwood. Now Herbert Ellingwood is a chairman of the U.S. Merit System Protection, and of course he is the 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 chairman of this board. He works as close to the president in uh, just interior matters and uh, personal matters that is keeping up with the heartbeat of America as anybody. Uh, this man told us now that he was Pentecostal. He, he is not Jesus' name. He's not oneness. He's Trinitarian. But you know what he told us? He said, I have taught four Bible studies in the White House already today. I teach ten Bible studies per week in the White House. Today, I taught a Bible study of the Surgeon General, also to the Attorney General. And he says, I have never been any place in any church where I'm feeling more freedom. He said, for your information, there's a whole lot of tongue talkers in the White House. And he says, the thing about it is, he said, the Lord baptized me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was in California several years ago. And he says... I have found as much freedom. In fact, I have walked through the White House this day speaking in tongues. 
And he said, for some reason, I don't know why, God has, has just allowed me. It's got where every time I sing, I sing in tongues. I've never felt such a surge of the Spirit. And he said, the people who know what I'm doing, they rejoice with me. And the ones that don't know what I'm doing, they think I'm real cultured. <laughs> but <clears throat> he, made, he made a plea. I'm in a real plea for us to get apostolic people in public office. He said, you've you got to do that. You've got to do it. Now, he said, I'm not advising you preachers to do that. I'm not excluding you. But on the other hand, he said, if we turn America around, we're going to have to have some tongue darkers because it's going to take revival to do it. I mean, just real old-fashioned uh, intercessory prayer, speaking in tongues, and teaching the Word of God. Now, I said, when I came to the White House, there was great resistance. He named off several people who tried to get him fired right away and tried to keep him out because they knew his religious conviction. But he said, I prayed and sought the Lord, and several people here in the White House on the staff went on a fast with me, and I'm here. And since I've been here, I have not stopped, and I have set a goal to teach the Bible study to everybody. Here. Isn't that something? It, it was just amazing. In fact, this man, uh, upon several occasions, raised his hands and praised the Lord, and we raised our hands and praised the Lord. It was it was great, just great. The next man to speak with us was Dr. George Eustra. Now he is the director of the Regional Liaison Office for the Department of Education. Now, when Jimmy Carter became president, they started the Department of Education. You remember that, don't you? Now, see, Amy Carter was the first president's child ever to go to public school. That might surprise you, but you probably read in the paper when Amy Carter went. Up until this time, all presidents agreed that the public school system was inferior. Now, what I'd like to say here is we have, a, we have a Christian school, but we have some parents who have their children in a public school. If your child's in a public school, make sure that you become a part of that. I, I've just been praying about it. In other words, I really believe that if you see something there you don't like or whatever is not right, that, 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 that you should talk with the uh, principal of the school or whatever. In other words... Be, feel responsible to that school. You're a taxpayer. You've got every right in the world to do that. See that that system is as clean as you can possibly get it. Now, this man addressed us. He also talked to us about his Pentecostal experience. Now, he's an educator, has been for years. But he said that the Department of Education has set forth the three C's in education. You remember the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic? Well, they agree with that. The Department of Education has set forth the three C's. The first C is content. He said, we believe that all of the textbooks should be carefully monitored that go into public schools. He said, I, I do not believe the Darwin theory. I think that's a bunch of garbage. He said, 
But, you know, in education, you have to inform people even of the garbage. But at the same time, the content of textbooks should state the creative fact that God created the world. We're one nation under God, and we shouldn't hang our head about it. Praise God. I feel that way. I really feel that way. The next C was character. He said, we are demanding that all public school systems teach their students how to be citizens and how to have Christian character. He said, you cannot be an American citizen without Christian character. Not the way it was designed to be. Because the laws of our land, by and large, are set up on the principles of what the Bible says. So we are demanding that, you see, all of the rioting and the rebellion among the, among the uh, uh, young people, he said, we trace it back to the public education system. It's our fault. And we're going to put character in it, at least for the next three years, in which uh, we are able to, to control it. In other words, we want people to know that it's wrong to lie. We want people to know that the policy to get ahead in life is to be honest. We want people to know that they ought to obey their parents. That there are promises of God that state that things will go well with them. Now, I can hardly believe what I was hearing when he, when he spoke of this. And then, of course, the last thing that he spoke of was choice. He said, we believe that, that, that uh, the best thing that's happened to education in America is the rise of Christian education in churches. Because it's, it has given conscientious people an alternative. He said, you never heard anything in the educational system about being corrupt until churches started their own schools. What happened is there was a demand then put on public education to figure out where we are and where we went wrong. In other words, you created competition. Of course, he did call on all of us who had Christian schools to make it the best school possible to keep the competition sharp. Because if you let down, the public school system will let down. He said, right now, the heart and the core of education in America rests in the hands of the Christians. Because you're the only people, the only people that are giving the public schools competition. If you let down, they'll let down. But you are challenging them, and you approve to them that you can indeed exceed what they have exceeded. So many schools have gone back. They have looked at their their uh, curriculum. They've looked at everything from discipline, dress codes, and everything. I was very, very amazed with this man. Then the fourth speaker who spoke to us was C. Everett Kopp. K-O-P-P is the way he pronounces cop. He is the Surgeon General of the United States. And he came out in a sailor admiral. He was a retired admiral. 
And the first thing he said, I, he said, I want to first inform you that I have indeed been baptized with the Holy Spirit and spoken with tongues, and I consider myself to be an apostolic Christian. Now, he's the man that puts the seals on all the cigarettes and such, saying the Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking can be hazardous or is hazardous to your health. <laughs> But he was the one that this uh, Herb Ellingworth, Ellington rather, had taught a Bible study to. And he said, I've, I've been involved today in a Bible study with, with Herb. He said, he's one of the most inspirational men I've ever met. And uh, he said, we are doing all that we can to lead everybody in the White House to the Lord. He said, now the thing about it was we're getting a lot of opposition. Did you know on Capitol Hill they think we're freaks? But we don't care because we know that Jesus Christ indeed is coming soon. And we know that the Antichrist is wanting to set up his reign on the planet earth and we're going to try to free men. First to the Lord and second in America by freedom so that they can worship God according to the dictates of their conscience. Praise God. I think all of this is very encouraging. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord, would you? Praise God. Oh, thank God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Carolyn... Sunseth told us we probably made an unwise choice in, in seeking for the president while we were invited there by the president. Uh, they ask you if you'd like to speak with the vice president or the president. We chose the president because I had nothing to do with that. I suppose at headquarters they did this. And this was a very busy time for the president because he was preparing for the summit meeting, which I guess he was in yesterday, even today, I think. So they told us, said, well, you may be able to meet him, but maybe not. But he said, well, you could have met the vice president, but you didn't put him on the list, and, of course, he didn't get into his schedule. But, of course, you know that uh, the vice president went to the meeting on Friday. So they told us, said, the best that we can do, because he's in a cabinet meetings all day long preparing, is at the reception, just hang around for a while and see if he appears. Because he, if he can, he will break away. Well, we stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. We went to the uh, reception was held in the Indian Treaty Room. That's where all of the Indian treaties that were signed in Washington were signed. And it is, it's, it's one of the most immaculate rooms I've ever been in. It is just fantastic. It really is nice. Uh, we have some pictures of that. But uh, we waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, and uh, the president never did come. Finally, Carolyn Sunseth came in and told us, said, I, I don't think that you should wait any longer. Because he's still in meetings, and when they get in these meetings, you know, they, 
they prepare their strategy, the whole works, to meet with the uh, communist leaders. And they're not going to, once they get in this, that's top priority. And they're going to stay there until they finish their business. Because that was the situation. We never did meet the president. So I felt very disappointed about this. But on the other hand, I will say this. I was just, I was amazed, just thoroughly amazed at what I heard. Now, the next day, we took a tour of the Capitol building. And I ate lunch in the House of Representatives restaurant. They gave, I found out that they'd give you these if you asked for it, so... I uh, asked for it, and I got the menu. I was really amazed at at the quality of the food in there. It was just great, and the price. Now, you notice on the, you, you can't see this, but on the back it says all about our bean soup. That's their specialty. <clears throat> I thought they'd be serving crowder peas, but. <laughs> bean soup. So I ordered the bean soup. They give you a bowl about this big around about this deep. How much do you think it costs? Sister Grant knows, and some people know because I told her. But the capital bean soup is 75 cents. <laughs> I was really amazed. And then I ate fried okra. You like that? How many of you like fried okra? Look at this. You go over Western Sizzler, and they have, this, they have the line there, and they, they serve it. There, but fried okra is a dollar fifty-five, and then I had a chunky chow, chunky chicken salad sandwich on whole wheat, dry toast. You know, because I have to stay slim. A dollar eighty, but uh, and they gave me this. Then the congressional meeting was held that afternoon. The congressional hearing. Now, one thing that. They gave us some time there that I didn't do. I did not request to meet with our senator or congressman. If you had requested, I could have met with either with either Proxmire or Caston or our congressman who is Castenmeyer. I didn't request to do this because I signed up too late, pardon me, to do it. But the ministers were all over. Capitol Hill meeting with these men and I wish that I, I could have if I decided to, to have gone earlier I would like to have met with one of the three and they worked it into their schedule so we had ministers going all over the place meeting with their congressmen see the issue that I, I want to discuss is is the issue that I spoke to you about and that concerns uh, Brother James Davenport who was thrown in, in solitary confinement up at Oxford in the national, uh, not national, but federal prison. Now let me just explain why I'd like to talk with one of our congressmen. We did talk with Stan Walkerstetter and ask him the approach to make, and he said we need to send a letter to President Reagan. If we send a letter to President Reagan, the truth of the matter is you avoid your congressman, sometimes your congressman, if he doesn't see eye to eye with you, he won't do a thing about it. But the president sees eye to eye with you. And, of course, from the White House, the policy is established 
throughout the bureaucracy in many cases. And if the if the if 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 a warden receives a letter from the president, he'll probably take action. <laughs> see. But you see, here's the thing. In in Oxford they are showing they're showing Showtime HBO uh the movie channel, the Playboy channel, uh on TV, which is a uh, out of Chicago. I'm not for sure I'm not for sure what what all this is about, but I received a list of all of these from Brother James Davenport. Now he says, here's a problem. Brother Brother Davenport said, there are many, many people that are in the federal prison because of sexual offenses. Now, here's what I see in this. You use a local policeman who is paid by taxpayers' money to pick up a guy. Maybe there has been some kidnapping or something, and the federal government he becomes involved. Then he's placed in jail, which is which it, the taxpayers pay. And and then he's fed by taxpayers' uh, money. And usually there's a court-appointed attorney, which is also a burden to the taxpayer. He goes before a judge who is... Now, this is just a line of logic. I thought maybe if I got there, I'd be able to talk with the congressman. I, I wasn't able to. He goes before a judge who is supported by taxpayers... He's then put into a federal prison that's supported by taxpayers. He's assigned all kinds of counselors because they, they, they create deprogramming uh, classrooms so that the man can get right sexually. Then he goes into his cell, which, you know, the whole prison is, is built by taxpayers. And he has demanded a color TV and cable hookup where he can sit there and watch people have sex on the screen. And then when they let him out, he's back in all of a sudden because they don't know how in the world we can't, we, we can't reform people. Now listen, you could be using rocks for a brain to figure that out. <clears throat> but you don't have to be smart at all to figure that out. And I found out that out of ten people leave in the federal prison, seven of them come back as repeats. And out of the seven, about 80, 85 percent of them are back in for sexual crime. Same reason they went in. Now to me, that's a stirring thing. I mean, it's a stirring thing. And I just personally feel that that, that something needs to be done. I mean, why use my money to get counselors together to try to change this guy when, when he goes back into his real living, his only livelihood he knows, and that's his room, if he's able to purchase on the premises pornographic literature, which he is, and also watch uh, these things? Uh, it doesn't make sense. Just plain doesn't make sense. Because you can't you can't reform somebody like that. How can you? You, you just can't. And I'm amazed that that people who claim to be smart 
can, can, can listen. They said, well, equal rights. And that, see, that's where they're getting all this. Equal rights. You know, well, listen, when, when you committed the crime, your rights were removed from you. See, the principle of life is, to whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And when you abuse your rights, that's when you ended up. That's when you end up in, in jail someplace. And then to go in and say, "Okay, we're going to make life just as easy in here as it was outside." Listen, I don't believe that. I don't think it's right. I, I just personally don't believe that's right. I, I just, and I don't think you have to be very smart to figure that out. So I am going to write the president. And I'm going to write to congressmen also, but I think what I'm going to do is just send them a letter of the, a copy of the letter that I'm writing to the president. I, I just really feel that something needs to be done about this. I mean, you got to be, you got to, you got to be retarded. Now, if I sound like I'm upset, it's only because I am. I really get upset about that. I, I got to tell you, in fact, my blood just boils. Because I, I just don't understand. I plainly don't understand. I went to, I, I've been over at, at Mendota. And we baptized a man here who, who had, I'm taking a lot of time, but I want to tonight. I need to, okay? See, I went, went over, we baptized a man here who was a sex offender. He, he has been in Mendota. He's out there now, by the way. Since 1968, he molested or raped young boys. So they put him in there. Well, I went over to see him because we baptized him. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. But you see, the problem is he, uh, he started telling me things that didn't sound right. So I called over one day and told him, I said, I'd like to talk with his counselor. So I went over there. state of Wisconsin had several counselors in there from the Department of, of Social Services. And... Uh, so I went over there and I talked with them. And uh, I just asked them their feelings about it. I said, now this man is claims to be a homosexual. Now what are your feelings? The lady just kind of laughed. said, well, we have an entirely different view about homosexuality when you work with them than you do when you don't work with them. Now let me explain why. We do not believe even though we represent the state of Wisconsin, that homosexuals ought to be teachers or public officials or policemen or... We don't believe that. And all you got to do is come out here and, and see what happens. See, what she said, we spend hours and hours and hours. we got all kinds of film strips and things that we, we take them through to deprogram them. Because the paramount issue in their life is homosexuality. It's a spirit. It gets a hold of them. It's filthy. It's vile. It's not right. We have to work with it. She said, and the thing that aggravates us most of all is that the state of Wisconsin says, oh, you've got to hire so many of these. And then when they get in trouble, they send them out of here. And, and the state of Wisconsin says, now you've got to deprogram them. She said, it don't, make, it don't make sense. We're fighting against ourselves. She said, Pastor, anything that you can do to voice your opinion, please do it. But you know, see, we've reached a place here where when you take a stand against sin, that, that people say, oh, you're prejudiced. 
that make you see we we have reached a place that we're the oddball now because it's an accepted thing i w- several people in the white house told us right out said you know how we view homosexuality the reason why we're not in favor of the uh, of the equal rights amendment is this because we think homosexuality is damnable in the eyes of god and I don't care what we say, we cannot make it right because the creator of heaven and earth and life and the United States of America, who is God, says it's wrong. Praise God. Well, they said it's a lifestyle. It is. It's a sick one. It's a lifestyle. But you see, all lifestyles are not acceptable in the eyes of God. And that's just the way it is. The congressional hearing then took place in the Way of the Cross Apostolic Church. And this is a oneness Jesus name church. It is, it's an immaculate church, large church. And there, the first man to meet with us was a congressman, congressman from Georgia. His name was Newt uh, Gingrich. Now, uh, Mr. Gingrich has chaired or is the chairman of a new committee called the American Opportunity Foundation. And, of course, he talked to us quite some time. He told us that he was Baptist. He understood our doctrine, understood it well. He said a lot of things have gone in favor of you. In fact, they told, they told us this also in the White House. Several things that we have sent out about religion, when we talk of God in the past, it always talks of the Trinity. But Carolyn Sunset said, we got that changed to divinity because we know that you people don't believe in the Trinity. Now, you wouldn't believe that our group would have that much clout with the White House. He said, but, but anyway, this gentleman told us that he fully understood what was taking place. Now, this was a political speech that he made, but a very stirring one. He talked to us about Grenada and the things that happened there. And, of course, in Grenada, uh, he said, we have, when we went in, we, we confiscated the communist documents. And he said, in all countries where the communists have taken over, for the, for the sake of the free world, they have always have had two sets of documents, one set of documents, one document in which they read to the world and another set in which they ran their country. Now, we, we have this information. We have the documents. They told us where you can go and read it's public information. In other words, they're telling the world. See, the communists, I, would, I think, would like for us to believe that they're not as bad as they are. You know, you could... Uh, the humanistic movement, I, Brother Manley studied this. Brother Manley, I can't see in, in, in my limited studies hardly any difference in the humanistic movement and the communist movement. Now, there may be some. Brother Manley could, Brother Manley could probably point out the difference. But see, the communist theory states that, that man can indeed create a pure and perfect society, that he can revolutionize himself to become pure. We know that's not true. Because we know that man was was cursed of God when he sinned. And, of course, the, he took upon himself 
sinful nature when he sinned. Now God did not give him that nature. God gave him a pure nature. It was sin that gave him that nature. And I don't care what you do, you're not going to be able to, to redeem man until you've been set free by Jesus Christ. But this man is urging us to participate. What he's doing, he has a bill before Congress at this time to declare October the 20th, that week, as the Lessons of Grenada Week. And he's asking churches to organize rallies and various other groups to organize rallies and such and just pass on information. Uh, I don't have all the information here, but they give you a place to write and to call and such. Now, the next man who addressed us was Congressman Burton from Indianapolis. And I was surprised to learn this, but Congressman Burton was recently baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in Brother Larson's church and filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. It was it was just it was amazing. So when he came to greet us, he said, I, I'm one of your brothers, you know, and I know all about what's what's happening here and of course he talked to us also about getting involved in this program at the same time he talked to us about really upholding the apostolic banner. Now, we have come for a dedication of two young boys this evening. And after we do this, then our choir is going to sing. And I've taken some time here. I did leave early because of the hurricane. Thursday night, I traveled most all night long to get back. Because they told us the airports would be closed on Saturday or Friday and Saturday. And I think they were. I think Brother... Brother Jim's still out in New York, isn't he? You don't know. Well, New York or Maryland. He's out there someplace. So I elected to come back, and I really did want to go to the Israeli embassy. But uh, I think I made a wise choice. Otherwise, I couldn't be here tonight. But I wanted to apprise you as much as possible on 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 this Washington trip. It was, and we have also been promised that uh, they will try to get us back again next year. In fact, they told us we would like to make an annual thing out of the United Pentecostal Church coming to the White House. Can you believe that? Praise God. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because they they flat-footedly told us that we had more influence over the Pentecostals in the world than any other group. You know, there was a time when it wasn't that way. When I was growing up as a kid, my grandfather was Pentecostal, and we were considered the off-scouring of the earth. See, the thing about it that, that I think is so valuable and so precious, and I'm going to just go right into this dedication, turn my remarks to Cindy and to Debbie. Really, years ago when you were considered Pentecostal, you were considered to be just practically nothing. I'm serious with you. And did you know most people thought we had a devil? 
and that speaking in tongues was the devil, and that we no way we could get to heaven. And you know, somebody told me this not too long ago. Said, you know, I had a dream. Now this this was the way of defending herself. She said, I had a dream. When I got to heaven, I saw all of these gates there. And there was a gate to the Pentecostal, there was a Pentecostals, there was a gate to the Baptists, and one to the Methodists, and one to the Presbyterian, and one to the Catholics, and so forth, all the way around. So you see, we're going to heaven too. Now the reason why I'm telling you this because it was real amazing. See, a few years ago, we weren't going. But now they're saying, we got a gate too. We can get in just like you folks can. <laughs> I'm serious with you. You see, what I'm, the tables have turned. The tables have turned. Somebody asked me on the plane. I got on the plane in, in, in uh, Baltimore... Lynn Burney. <laughs> Glenn Burney, not Lynn. Glenn Burney. I got on the plane there. Is that where that airport is? I didn't even know that. No wonder that sign says Glenn Burney pointed toward there. Okay. I got on the plane there with a theology student out of Massachusetts. And so we began to talk, and he asked me, he said, What happened to your finger? And I told him. He said, what profession are you in? I said, I'm a minister. He said, oh, I'm going to a Bible seminary. And we got to talking, and it was just really amazing. He said, I belong to the Presbyterian Church of America. And he got to talking to me. He said, you know what, though? He said, I'm really disturbed. I'm really disturbed. I said, why are you disturbed? He said, the stand that we've taken on homosexuality and several things like that. You know, we ordain, and some of our churches, they even perform marriages for homosexuals. He said, you know, it bothers me. It really bothers me. It really does. And so we got to talking. And and if you if you pray, this man's name is Roger Howard. Pray for him. Because before I got off the plane... I had testified to Roger. He said, you know, this is what opened it up. He said, I went down to South America. And he said, well, I was down in South America in Brazil doing some work there. He said, there was a lady that came up. And she said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And she fell right down on the sidewalk there and began to pound her hand, head rather, against the cement. And blood started coming out. And the missionary came up and said, this woman is demon-possessed. He said, I didn't know that people really had demons. He said, have you ever heard of that? And I said, sure. And I began to tell him about some situations where we have cast out devils from people. Really. I remember one night we prayed for a lady that we thought was demon-possessed. And this was the night that we prayed for Elaine Moe. Now, some of you do not know Sister Elaine Moe because she lives in Arizona now. But Elaine Moe was a long-time member of this church, and Elaine went blind because of an incurable disease that she had. And the night in which we cast out that demon, 
prayed for this lady. We prayed for Elaine. You know, Elaine went home, went to sleep. When Elaine woke up the next morning, she could see. She wore glasses before she went blind. She doesn't wear glasses today. I told this this boy about this. He says, wow. He said, could you tell me something else? Just like that. I said, sure, I'd be glad to. And I told him about the Lord filling me with the Holy Ghost and about me speaking with tongues. He said, you know what? I've been reading and praying. There's such a burning inside of me. Such a burning inside of me. He said, I'm disturbed with my church. I'm disturbed. It bothers me. Then he asked me, after I talked with him, he said, do you have any Bible studies or anything that you, that you can send to me? So this young man, you know what? I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if we didn't see him here real soon. In fact, while I was talking to him, I could just visualize him coming here and the Lord filling him with the Holy Ghost and him staying here for his training right here in our church in Madison. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The man who wrote the book Megatrends, I don't even know who the man is at this time. His name slips in my mind. Sister Manley? Nesley, you say? Nesbeth. Okay. I understand that he was recently on a national talk show. Did any of you hear that? Okay. Larry King show. I want Brother Seidel to stand up and tell what this man had to say. Now I read his book when Brother Friend was here. I read that book and it it was a very impressive book. Let's praise God for that. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Paul says in 
1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 9, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I call your attention just to just a few uh, things in the Scripture, and then we go into the dedication. I told Cindy, not Cindy, but Debbie, uh, Cindy was taking care of the baby at the time that I was to meet with them. But uh, I was going to spend a lot of time tonight talking about the Washington trip because I thought I should. But you two young ladies are faced with a very monumental task because you are a single parent, both of you. Young ladies with young men to raise. This is a job. There's no doubt about it. These young ladies have committed their lives to the Lord. We want you to know that we are behind you all the way to encourage you to lift you up. I have spoken of a lot of things tonight. I trust and pray that some of our young people will get a hold of themselves. I just want to direct my remarks also to our young people. But some of you young people, did you know what? What would you do if you got killed and you weren't ready to meet God? You think of that. You just think. You think about burning in hell forever and ever and ever. You may say, oh, God would never let that happen. Friend, you haven't read the Bible. Paul says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men to repent. The most precious thing that's given to us, Cindy, you and Debbie, is a church that preaches and teaches what Jesus left behind. I would not want to meet God with a worldly church. And if there ever was a time that we need to be strong and disciplined, we need to now. But we want you to know that Calvary Gospel Church stands behind you in your endeavor to raise your sons to fear God. While it is a monumental task, it's not an impossible one. For that which is impossible with man is indeed possible with God. And we believe, just as sure as we believe anything in this world, that, that God will grant extra favor and grace where there is an abundance of sin. The scripture tells us that. So when we lay our hands upon you and when we take your children out of your arms tonight, fully understand, you know, we're not really playing a game. It's not just a ritual we go through. It's not just a, a formal thing. But you are making a formal commitment to a God who takes you seriously. And the truth of the matter is, 
it always requires more respect of your elders than what you have in the past just to get your kids to respect your elders. It requires more discipline on yourself just to get your kids to be disciplined. You follow what I'm saying? It's a tough life in some respects, but it's a very rewarding one. But God will stand by your side. He will whisper to you in the darkness of the night. I don't think there ever was a parent that raised a kid that didn't have some problems. But success and the favor of God is not determined by how many problems you do or do not have but how well you adjust and take care of the situation. That's the important thing. And so when we gather behind you and around you as a church, please understand, while we do it physically, our emotions, our spirit blends with yours tonight in the purpose for which you dedicate your children. I'd like for you, Debbie, if you would, to come forth at this time. And Cindy, if you would. Then we would like for Brother and Sister Fuller and Brother and Sister Tinker, if they would, to come and, and stand by their side. We believe that God will stand by the side of, of, of the, this couple and that the Spirit of the Lord will come. Sister Joanne, would you? Sister Terry, like to come? Stand. Now we have two here, and I'd like for Brother Crowder, if he would, to assist me. So, if you all of you would stand at this time, Brother Crowder, if you'll just come and stand down here. Praise God. You know, after having such a rich week and then after coming here to be with you and then coming to the altar of dedication, i got to tell you, there's something inside of me that's just about to burst. I feel like David when he said, I ran through a troop and jumped over a wall. One man was up preaching. He got so excited he wanted to quote it. And he said, you know what David did? I feel like David. He ran through a wall and jumped over a troop. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Maybe you, maybe you feel like running through a wall. <laughs> I don't know. Praise God. Debbie brings her son, who was born August 2nd, 1984, to the altar, Derek Scott Fuller, to be dedicated. And Cindy brings her son, who was born August 21st, 1985, to the altar, Joseph Daniel Boardman, to be dedicated. Before we receive 
these children into our arms. I'd like for you to just bow your heads. And would you pray right now for these two mothers that God would give them strength and abundant grace. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. How lovely. They will be members of this church. And we'd like for you to greet them and encourage them. Then we want the choir to come on. Praise God. I told you we might just build three tabernacles and stay all night. <laughs> Praise God. So if you just come and stand right here, right in the front, filter out, come down, shake their hands, then the choir to come on up. As you greet them, just come right on up then and be in position to sing when the greeting is over. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God.